Was that Don? I'm not looking at my screen. <laughs> yes, good. it was. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking creep. <laughs> Say something in your normal voice. I hope that's not your normal voice. <laughs> well, give me some level checks. Level checks. Gordon. Level checks. Level checks. Testing. Why? Level so checks just... by audition. Kids will love them. Turn your Here, mic up a little bit. Here's a level check for you. I go to sign into Facebook, and it's got somebody Not else's you, phone Gordon. number and uh, password. Fun. Outstanding. That is a big delete. Delete. We'll get rid of you. Not you. Some asshole who's probably trying to log in on my shit. And you ain't going to die until you get it. Enter an old password. I want a rusty axe. I, I would like to know voodoo. A fat bitch yes. named a fat, a fat bitch named Bridget. Bridget. <laughs> and a little sip of Fago too. Oh, you know, shit. some might say until they get the things they acquire, they will not pass away. <laughs> For sure. Take ICP lyrics start, and, this is and when you change them to like a more sophisticated wording. <laughs> this is when you start to stream, by the way. Until I acquire the things that I desire, I shall not pass away. <laughs> you're sleeping on gold. <laughs> uh, you're assuming I'm not recording. I'm just not live yet. See, we're going to do the whole uh, Joe Rogan warm coming. We're already discussing things, and people are just going to miss <laughs> out on it. Like, I could just hit go I live like right I'm... now, and it just it wouldn't matter. Like, Yeah. And but, now I look like a big old chode. Yep. Uh, used to it. So when <laughs> it's not just Joe Rogan, it's almost half the podcast out there. So until I get the things that I, until I acquire the things I desire, I shall not leave this mortal coil. <laughs> uh, how, how much? How much do you need to acquire that you desire? Well, I I need a rusty hatchet. I would like to know a. Uh, Religious ceremony from a third world country. <laughs> An overbeast woman named Bridget. And perhaps Being some... from Kentucky or Ohio, we should have met a couple of those. Or perhaps some uh, financially reasonable soda, too. <laughs> Sustenance. Wow. So that's, that's how you do it. On a new school podcast, but if you're an old school podcast like ours, you do this. Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the your company name here. Your studios in Cape Coral, Florida. <laughs> it's the What's in Your Head podcast with your hosts, Gordon and Don Abernathy. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's another Tuesday, not just another Tuesday. It's been a fucking crazy Tuesday, but we'll get into that Aww. momentarily. <laughs> um, as you heard, this is the broadcasted live from the Your Name studios here. That's right. If you want to put your name where our name used to be, you too can sponsor the studio for a very okay, reasonable price. <laughs> so shoot us an email at info at d-410.com if you want to sponsor our studios. Join us from this Los is starting off is it's broadcasting dead from the... <laughs> Why is that? We're live. I know. We're live. With you, Kicking it live. It's been a crazy day. But anyhow, join us as always from Las Vegas, Nevada, the land of dead bodies and 
empty ponds, Midwestern grandmas and buckets of nickels at every gas station on every corner. The land of sin and honey, Gordon Abernathy. Gordon, how are you doing tonight? I am doing all right. And that one guy from that one show across the river, Mike. What's up, Mike? How do you do? How's that for a, like, lack, luck, a lackluster description of your city after the one we gave Gordon in Las Vegas? Yeah, the guy from that one thing across the pond, you know. That guy. Oh, and you forgot my my typical intro, which is Mike. Uh, no, no use for a last name. name. Yeah, no use for a last name. From the Tackle Your Personal Best podcast. Yep. What's going on, Mike? No use for a last name. Oh, you know, it's just a wonderful Tuesday. No, it's been a crazy Tuesday. Uh, started last well, night. Oh, it's been a crazy Tuesday for you. Not for me, but well, by proxy, my whole universe. Actually, that's a very good point. The crazy shit that has happened to me in the last 24 hours actually happened around me. I was just a spectator to the world's events, and I guess I need to make sure we are broadcasting on uh, Facebook right now. I am trying to bring up Facebook right now. Well, that's right. You got locked out. You're going to please no, open I'm your... No, I'm on it. I'm on it. Please open it's, your app and go it's to frozen, security code generator. Se- generate yourself a security code. By the way, is um, two-form authentication is the way of the future. So if you guys are already tired of it now with your work, um, it's going to take over your, your daily lives. So every app, every email is going to require an authentication app on your phone. So Miles well, get used to that world right now. I tell you, there's been several times where I get my Yahoo notification that Yahoo. somebody's trying to log in from either another state or another country. And the way it's going to go, too, um, here's a little info. This, this change actually happened years ago, but... You know how everybody thinks the password regulation is random letters, characters, capitals, numbers, and a funny symbol? Until all of them have been used and recorded, yeah. Well, about six or seven years ago, apparently the people on the internet who decide what's credible and what's desirable for a secure password has decided that that makes no difference. The preferable password is a password made up of three random words to create a single word phrase with capital letters and a number or two. So you would like, okay, I need a password. Um, Larceny Planner's Mouse, 23. Boom. And they also suggest Now that somebody's got to change your password. Thanks, Don. <laughs> <So, laughs> one, two, three, four. One, two. That's a type of, that's a type of combination some luggage idiot puts on his luggage. I might have changed the combination of my luggage. What was that? Spaceballs? Yeah. It is Spaceballs, yes. Yes. Dick Van Patten. Oh, the world without Dick Van Patten. How about 200 points for pulling that name out of my ass? But um, anyhow. Tell him what he's won. Absolutely nothing but blown out earbuds from Gordon burying his face in his mic as he always does. <laughs> so I went to the gym last night and then I came home and did a two-hour-long episode of the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast. And then as I do after every episode, I upload it and do the description for all the iTunes and all that stuff. And then I proceed to the bedroom and watch a little television. And then I make my way to do my nightly deeds that need to be done before one goes to bed. Shit, shower, shave, shine, and shampoo, all that good stuff. And many times in the past during this process, in which I may or may not be using the bathroom, a rap comes upon the door. Hurry up, I gotta pee. Well, it's a good thing we got two bathrooms in this house. Why don't you use the other one? Blah, blah, blah. This is going on for months. So last night, I'm in the bathroom, minding my own business, and I hear groans and moans coming from the hey, hey, outside hey, the water closet, if you will. 
before you get into that mm-hmm. little segue, mm-hmm. uh, I've had the same wrap and I've got three bathrooms in my house. Exactly. It's like, why? Or actually two and a half, but yeah, why? three shitters. We have more than one water closet in this home. Why must we all why occupy the same downstairs? one at the same time? Why did you wait to get downstairs? Mm-hmm. But anyhow, so there was no wrap upon thy water closet door, but groans and moanings coming from the general bathroom area next to the Jack and Jill sink, because that is a safe phrase that doesn't offend anybody at this point. Now, this wasn't precluded by any yelling. Not that I heard, because the other bathroom is located on the other side of the home. Because here in Florida, we, um, I don't know, are all all houses like this? I know they are in Florida. The master suite, oh, that's offensive. The master, no, damn it. The parental lounge the main bedroom is located on the other side of the general living quarters of the home and then the second third and possibly fourth bedrooms are on the other side of said common area in the home thus giving the parents and or primary residents privacy from the kids and or loser roommates you know what i mean and otherwise so, they don't hear hanky panky going on exactly and so the bathroom is located on the other side of the general living quarters and and my fans on and TV's on in my bedroom and heard nothing until I heard moans and groans. So I slowly pry open the water closet door to see Carrie sitting there all disheveled and fucked up to which I acquired what happened. Um, apparently she took me up on the fact that we have more than one bathroom and sadly, she sat out upon this mission right after my daughter got done taking a bath. Who, for the fifth time tonight, hasn't learned the art of drying off inside the shower. <laughs> so she got out of said shower, proceeded to dry off in the open area of the bathroom, and combing the water out of her hair instead of using a towel. And do what teenagers do, and that is to generate large quantities of water on the tile floor. Now, do you have a bath mat that sits in front of the tub? It's funny you should ask that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. My bathroom, I have two. One in front of the tub, one in front of the shower. In this bathroom, it's a small bathroom. It only Shit, has that's one. That's wealthy guy speak right there, man. And <laughs> so... What happened was, and a good thing my daughter knows how to pick locks, Carrie proceeded to the second bathroom, unbeknownst to her. Nugget forgot to put out the danger wet fucking floor sign. <laughs> and Carrie proceeded into the, <laughs> into the now uh, unforeseen tile floor of doom, shut the door behind her, promptly locked it, because after all, now she's no longer in our bathroom, she's in a public free-for-all bathroom and needs some privacy and or security. Takes the first step and went ass over tea kettle. She said the the tile floor was like ice. Twisted her ankle to the right, came down directly on her kneecap on the tile floor. Oh, that's smart. And then fell into the water and apparently proceeded to diligently acquire for help. But I didn't hear so luckily, yeah. Sariano heard her over her Xbox earphones, was able to pick the bathroom door because, well, that's a, that's a skill we all need to have, and helped Carrie up, and then Carrie explained to tell me all this, and she was in a lot of pain. Nary a life alert to be found, huh? I actually made that joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, well, I'm glad we got the same sick, twisted sense of humor. The sad thing is, inappropriate time. The old lady in the LifeLock commercial was named Mrs. Fletcher, which was the maiden name of my ex-wife. But anywho, so I pick her up. (laughs) I pick her up and I put her to bed, and she tosses and turns and moans and groans all night. And we get up in the morning, and her kneecap looks like it has a potato underneath it. Ah, great. (laughs) Maybe a little water on the knee. Ankles blue around that nice bone. It's got some swelling to it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I said, well, i got to go to work, but if you want me to come home early. You're on your own. I'm out of here. If you want me to come. Well, I just started my new job. My my (laughs) 90-day probation isn't over until the 18th of July. So as of right now, I have no un- I have no days off, no personal days, no vacation, every, nothing. Every day you miss during your 90-day predation per, pushes it another 90 days. And so I said, um, you know, push comes to shove. I'll come home at lunch and take you, maybe Pardon take an me. early lunch. So I went to work, and I told my boss, I said, hey, I may have to take an extended dance mix lunch. Told him what happened. He's like, well, why wait? Go take her now. I said, well, I'm not, not taking her now because of work. I'm not taking her now because... I got to convince her to go. <laughs> so anyhow, I called her up. I took her, picked her up. There's an urgent care, a hop, skip, and a potato throw down the street. Pull in. Don't say slip. Go inside to acquire a wheelchair because I had to basically put her in an office chair to wheel her across the house for the first half and then carry her to the car the rest of the way because she can't walk. Where's your GoPro? Yeah, Where was your GoPro? And so I... Pulled up to the emergency room doors because it's an emergency room slash urgent care facility. TikTok views gone unseen. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Tumbleweed. Oh, no, I was thinking of the, the wheeling her in a chair. Tumbleweed um, going across the lobby room. This is a fantastic sign. There's nothing better than walking into an emergency room and or urgent care and there's not a single fucking person in the waiting room because that means your three-hour wait will now be an hour and a half before you go in because there's no one. Downside was at uh, 8.30 in the morning, it was a scorcher. Their AC had gone out. Have you ever gone into one of the emergent <sighs> cares where there is the tumbleweed blowing across the floor and you still wait an hour before you get seen? Well, it's funny. I was pondering at this point because n- nary a person was about. It was almost like that Night Before Christmas song. And I was contemplating, well, the AC's out. I've been in here for two minutes. No one's in here. I'm about to walk out, tell Carrie, hey, we're going to go to different urgent care because it's fucking hot in here. A lady comes out. Okay, whatever. I get a wheelchair. So I go out there and I put Carrie in the wheelchair, which, by the way, I don't know the last time you guys have ever used a wheelchair. They're about 18 to 24 inches wider than they once were. Yeah, my size. And Carrie's by no means a um, large footprint. And so putting her in the center of this fucking wheelchair, I swear to God, when you took the foot pegs and flipped them around to the outside, the wheelchair was too wide to go into an urgent care sliding glass door. That's how wide the the fucking wheelchairs are now. And another (laughs) opportunity where you both could have sat in the wheelchair at the same time. I'm going to impress everybody with this, with my enunciation. This wheelchair was straight out of the waiting room of Dr. Nazardan. You're welcome if you get that reference. Not say, not say emergency. And um, so I walked in there. <laughs> and so then I had to go park the car. Here's an indicator where we are in society. I go park the car. And I come back. And I noticed stuck upon the window, not in a handwritten letter, 
not in a typed up letter, but in vinyl print stickers, much like the stickers I make here at Digital 410, was an entire paragraph pasted on the wall, which to me came straight from the lawyer's office under cover your own ass, to which it said something around the lines of, because I didn't get a chance to get a picture of it, I wasn't going to do a TikTok in front of it, but I forgot because of the heat in the waiting room. It said something along the phrase of, this is a peaceful work environment. All of our employees have the right to come to work and expect not to be harassed, bullied, or basically provide a shitty day. If you're going to be a dick, don't come in the door. Now, obviously, it was a lot nicer than that. And I'm like, if this isn't an indicator of society that the lawyers who work for this particular medical group said, hey, we need to plaster this on the wall so that when somebody comes in and bees an asshole, we can ask them to leave and escort them off the property and not have any fear of blowback on our part. So basically what it's alluding to, because this happened today, and I'm not going to go into it quite yet, but uh, if you find that our staff is incompetent, ill-mannered, suck it up, buttercup. And don't, don't act raise a fool. Exactly. But that's yeah. where we are in society, that we actually have to pay a print shop to print that up and then pay a guy to come out and apply it to the, to the window with a squeegee and, and water and suds. But anyhow, so we go inside and we wait there, for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. We go back and in the back where we were informed they had working AC, they did, but it was in the makeup of six industrial strength swamp coolers sitting <laughs> precariously through the exam area. Which is amazing because swamp coolers only work in a dry environment. And being that you guys live in Satan's ass crack down there that's real swampy, it doesn't work. You well, just blow around hot air. Swamp okay, cooler. We want to add humidity to humidity. Swamp cooler being a generic term, they did have the ducts going up into the plenum space. So they were either exhausting through the ceiling and sucking through the air and recycling the air trying to cool it down. But it was, it was substantially cooler back there, but it was still pretty stale. And then out of habit, after they reeled Carrie back in from her x-ray, the uh, nurse <laughs> shut the glass sliding door to our room because it's like the pods and, you know, Oz. Instead of it's all glass. I'm like, why would you shut the glass door in a waiting room in a fucking place that doesn't have any goddamn AC? You feel like a fish? But long story short, she didn't break anything. She does have a lot of That's water good. on her knee. They That's had good. to wrap up her ankle and her knee, give her some crutches, and one of those casts that I can only describe as the thing you see high school volleyball girls wearing when they <laughs> extend their knee on the gym floor. And so when the doctor gave her the crutches, were they like, hey, I've seen your TikTok videos. Good luck. No. Um, <laughs> but from the exam room, I did post a TikTok that says, when you're supposed to have a fishing trip to Orlando in three days and someone ends up in urgent care, and I kind of pan over to her, you just see the wheelchair. And uh, so that happened, and then I. Now Don's got a decision to make. Well, does he stay home? Well, we discussed that, room? and I reminded her how angry she was when Mike and I went to Lake Okeechobee without her, and I caught an eight and three quarter pound bass. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you her, go. You're on the losing end. You're going to be sleeping in. I nuggets said, room. if I were to go to Kissimmee this weekend and participate in that fishing competition without you and catch another big ass bass, you're going to be rip shit pissed. In which she said, Yes, I will be. That does not quite say it's not possible yet. So anyhow, put her in the car, which 
getting into a Volkswagen Jetta with a leg brace on and your leg is pointing out like this is not a simple task when you're five foot Damn seven. Damn I need the truck. I could just throw you in the I bed. I told her. I said, we, I told you. I, well, I wanted to bring the truck because I figured it would be easier for her to get up into and out of coming down, standing on the one good foot instead of trying to get out of a seated position off the ground because the Volkswagen When it comes to climbing, low. it makes it a little more difficult too, though. Yeah, but Volkswagens, and just like your Subaru, sits so low when you only have one good wing to work with, or kicker to work with, I would rather climb down instead of trying to push myself up using one foot. But anywho, went to Publix. Their pharmacy was running behind because somebody had COVID, so that took an hour to get her <coughs> pharmaceuticals. Dropped her off. Went back to work. Now, as Carrie Gordon alluded to, Carrie is starting to make a little bit of a name for herself in the fishing world on TikTok. And she got hit up by one of those companies. Instead of it, hey, we want to do a, a, a thing with you where we'll give you 30% off and give you codes and all that bullshit, but you still got to pay for it. No, they said, hey, we want to send you some free shit for your dog. Test it out. Make a video for it, and Bob's your uncle. For your dog? Yes, for for Bailey. Yeah. And we've been waiting for this to come, so on the way home, I stop at the UPS store. And I go inside, and I get into the mailbox, and there's a box from this dog company. And I'm walking outside, and a young, white, frustrated UPS driver says, Come here, I need you to document this. Oh, okay. And um, so I'm looking at the car. He's backed into a parking spot and there's cars next to him. So I just assume maybe he backed into a car, couldn't find the owner, was trying to do due diligence, get a few pictures for me so I can at least say, hey, we understand we did. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, this guy's pissing me off. He said, he's got his dog locked in his car. I was like, huh? And I look and there's this little cocker oh, spaniel or whatever, locked in the car, the engine's off. I see a broken window coming. And so I pull my phone out and then this occurred. And now for the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. Does have a point in the state of Florida? We could bust that window. Now, as I'm trying to hit record, I actually walk over to the car and I was like, "Was the door unlocked?" So I, was, I went to go grab the door handle, just open the door and let some cold air in there. And right before I went to touch it, I hear. Fuck you guys. I was only inside for 12 minutes. And I'm that's what I'm like, pull up, like, unlock, unlock, TikTok, record, record. And um, and the UPS driver, which, by the way, is the whitest guy in the world. And I love how at, like, 22, white, skinny guy, he straight up turns into a cholo from every 1980s movie. Listen to that part again. Fucker. Hey, fucker. Fucker. Hey, fucker. But anyhow, the guy in the car. Stick you in that fucking car for 12 minutes. The guy was from Kentucky. He had Kentucky plates on. I don't know how long he's been in Florida, but the UPS driver explained to him that he had been there for at least 20 minutes and that dog was inside the car the entire fucking time. And when I got back into my truck, it was 93 degrees, which probably felt like 105. So mm, as I was starting to yeah, walk to walk back to my car, I, I pivoted on my foot, and I turned around, and I went to the back of the UPS truck, and I was going to say, you know, hey, in the state of Florida, you could have very well broken his window and got away with it. We, the governor made that a law like three years ago. A child or a dog, anything alive and in a 
unrunning car with no AC on, you can legally break the window to get them out. And so as I was proceeding to tell us, he said, well, hold up, I got to call my boss alone. I just went off on somebody. So I left. I just posted the thing on TikTok. Because after all, he asked me to document the damn thing. Two hours later, at the beginning of this show, that thing already has 6,000 views. <laughs> that video is blowing up on TikTok right now between the UPS guy and the random cat from Kentucky. But yeah, that dog was panting and that dude was pissed. And uh, to me, the irony is I'm walking out with, here's some dog toys from a dog, got a sponsorship. And huh? Since <laughs> there's a fucking poor dog being burnt alive in that goddamn car, and the UPS guy came to. Because I, I literally had my hand on the door handle because I was just going to open the fucking door. And then the guy came out, fuck you guys. I was only inside for 12 minutes. But yeah. Well, and, and as a fun fact for everybody out there, when I work in my truck, I have to shut it off every single customer's house that I go to, no matter what. And it is balls hot down mm-hmm. here. And as soon as you turn that thing off and I go into the customer's house, 10 minutes, I'll come back out. And I have a little thermometer that actually sits on my air conditioning vent to tell me what it is blowing out and then what it is when the truck's been sitting, it'll reach up over a hundred degrees inside that cab in 10 minutes. When we opened that computers and we had the 2004 Chevy fleet van, you know, the one you see rolling around with all the paint falling off because they had defective fucking primer that year. Yep. It comes with that little door that separates the cab from the back and has a lock mm-hmm. on it to keep people from breaking your windows and breaking into the back. Cause the whole back didn't have windows. Well, that thing was locked, and I went to get in the back of the truck. I had to get something out, and it was parked on the side of the original Act Computers, which was Computer Troubleshooters at the time, our shop on the side. And it was on, on the grass, so the, the, field, the, the grade of the parking spot wasn't exactly level. And so I went through the side door because I had to get a tool out of the back, and the wind blew, and it clicked the fucking door just enough. And for some reason, even though it's a fleet van, a.k.a. kidnapper van, we had just gotten the thing, only had it for like three or four months, the fucking child locks were engaged, so you could not unlock the doors from inside on the back doors. And I don't have the key. Well, not only do I not have the key, but the key for the the bear trap door is on the the inside of the cab. Mm -hmm. You can't unlock. And it was the middle of, like, fucking August. And I'm, like, dying in there. It's like a hot box, like, straight out of Cool Hand Luke. And so I start pilfering through all the drawers until I finally found like a pair of pliers. And I'm slowly taking those little tiny nuts off. And I finally got the door out enough that I could reach down there and open the un- unlock the damn thing and crawl through and get the fuck out of that truck. But just not 20 minutes. I was dying in, in the back of an all-white fleet van, let alone some dark-ass colored short small cab car. So yeah. not the first time that truck that van tried to kill you, was it? <sighs> no, I was actually telling that story. Somewhere the other day. Oh, so I'm about to, what's a scuttlebutt podcast? Because Jeff just drove from Texas to New Jersey by himself. And it's a 19-hour drive. Well, no, he drove 19 hours and rested and then did another like 15 or whatever. And I said 19 hours is a long haul in a little Wayback Machine for you. Before my daughter moved down here when she was still going to school up in Grove City, Ohio, I was like, I would bring her down here for the summertime. And then she'd go <coughs> back home for, for school year. Well, I had my sweet-ass 1996 Pontiac Firebird purchased from my father, who bought it in 1996 when I was in high school, had it in Texas, California, then sold it to me, and then I drove it all the way across country, had it in her Florida. But by this time, it's a GM product, and we know how they act around 175,000 miles. And so it was not going to make the 1,700-mile uh, trip to Kentucky and back. 
And so we opted to take the fleet van. So I pulled everything out of the back, had a nice padded floor. Katie made a bed. She basically slept the whole fucking time, just laying in the back. And for a while, I don't do it anymore, for a while, I, I was one of those cats who was convinced that if I left at midnight, I can beat the traffic. <laughs> and so we got up like around one in the morning and left. Which well, how long does it take to get to 17 Atlanta hours. From, no, how long does it take to get to Atlanta from Cape Oh, Cape? about six to seven hours. It's funny you say that. <laughs> so we're driving so your all math night. math was off. <laughs> we're driving all night, and we make it to the southern border of Atlanta. Around, I don't know, 6.30 in the morning. I'm tired, maybe 7 in the morning. And so we pull over to a rest stop. And we're sleeping in the back of the van for about two hours, and it starts getting hot because it's August, it's summer's over, and so it starts to get hot. Okay, time to wake up, kick on the AC. We start driving again, and it's hot as ball. She's sleeping in the back, got the AC running, driving. We see this SUV turned over with all of its personal effects scattered across the interstate. You're hearing life flight come in. Katie's waiting, like, what the fuck? Traffic standstill. Like, holy shit, somebody. Clearly effed up or died. I mean, literally all their personal effects over the street where the SUV flipped four or five times and families were in there. We're like, wow. And so we finally get out of traffic, speed up. We're driving about another 45 minutes, having that in our memory. And I'm cruising about 80 in the fleet, man. Boom. <clears throat> Sorry for pulling a Gordon. Boom. Van starts. See? It's not that easy. Pull, uh, slow down, pull over. And Katie, Katie woke up like, what the hell? I was like, I don't know. Got a flat tire. Walked outside. Looked at the tire. The tire was not flat, but the tread had blown off of it. I'm like, what the? F These tires aren't that old. I mean, we drive a lot, but damn. It'll get you. Now, I'm not a millennial. I'm not a Generation Z. I'm a latchkey kid from the 90s who had a friend with his own garage, so I know a thing or two about a thing or two, so I quickly proceed in changing my tire. You notice he didn't name his generation? And, uh... <laughs> and, um... I looked at the tire, and it's, well, it's a Maypop at best. It was a tire that became the spare tire after we replaced two of the tires and one to buy three. So, anywho, I called Dad, and I said, hey, um, just had a blowout. I'm, like, somewhere near Athens, Georgia. By the way, it's Sunday. For, um, it's Sunday at this point. Oh, shit, they probably roll up the sidewalks that day up there. And uh, I'm like, hey, uh, when I get to Kentucky, I'm probably going to stop at a Walmart and get a spare tire this this tire is not going to make the trip the 1,700 miles back from Kentucky. And he's like, okay, just call me in to get to Kentucky. Hit the road, driving about another hour. Boom! About slide off the fucking road. Now, keep now when I say a spare tire, for those of you, the uninitiated who's never driven a service van, this ain't like your car donut. This is just a full-size tire that has been rotated out of rotation because it's no longer up to par and you don't want to buy a fourth $150 tire. <laughs> so it's not a donut. So I'm traveling on a full-size tire. It's just not the greatest tread in the world. Boom! Rinse and repeat on the whole shit. Almost crash, pull over, go out, look at the spare tire. It's perfectly fine. I'm like, what the fuck? Go over, another tire, tread completely blown out. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? But now I'm out of tires. Luckily, I'm like a quarter of a mile from an off ramp that the only thing there is like Dick's, Dick's family fucking truck stop. And so we flop, 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 flop down there. Called out on my cell phone. Luckily, we have double A, triple oh, A on the in, on the car insurance, so they're gonna send somebody out. Okay, it's one o'clock, no big deal. 
takes a guy like two and a half hours to get there because we're out in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, at some mom and pop truck stop out in the middle of the fucking Georgian swamp. So he comes and tows us to the local closest Walmart. Now, by this time, it's five o'clock on a Sunday. And I don't know if you know this, but the Walmart automotive shop in Athens, Georgia, closes around five o'clock on Sunday. Luckily, the manager being a nice southern boy as he was, if this happened in New York, California, or even a Fort Myers, Florida, you'd probably be told to go pound some sand up your ass, and I'll see you tomorrow. But this guy was a nice good country boy, understood we were, found ourselves in a bit of a pickle and needed to get to Kentucky post-haste. And so he was cool enough to change the tires. Load it back up, make it to Kentucky. I'm fucking wiped out. This 17-hour trip now took 21 and a half hours straight. And two blown tires. And two blown tires and stress and having your, you know, 14, 15-year-old daughter with you out in the middle of nowhere and blah, blah, blah. So this time your van tried to kill you twice, so we're at three times, but there's one other time I remember. Well, just a hitch to that story. Next day I get up in the morning, Dad said, hey, before you make the trip to Ohio, go out there and check the air pressure on the two tires that didn't blow up i.e. the spare and one of the other ones. No, the not the spare, the other two tires because two out of the four blew. Checked them after the van had been sitting all night, not, not moving an inch. They were maxed out. The reason my tires blew up is because as a good automotive person does before making any sort of semi-long road trip, you check your mileage and change your fucking oil. And so I took the van over to a lube joint plus, the type of place that has a lot of high turnover with high school kids and even dumb 19-year-olds. And these dipshits, when they changed my oil, they filled my air and my tires to the maximum pressure. And so what happened was driving in 95-degree weather at 80 miles an hour on the interstate for fucking six hours caused the heat, the air, and the tires to expand past maximum pressure. And that's why they blew the treads off but not actually didn't pop. Yeah, so, they should have been somewhere between min and max. Usually they're usually you should have them at least four to five pounds of pressure or below what, the maximum what it actually, lever. Yeah, exactly. Or what it says on the door jam. So if it's like, you know, forty five, go forty two, or maybe thirty eight, but yeah. And another time the van tried to kill me is when the factory jack taco shelled in my driveway and fell on me when I was changing the brakes. Luckily I, my neighbor built custom donks. And so I was able to go get his Jack and Jack, his floor Jack and Jack it up. But yeah, that is the times. The happiest day of your life was getting that van away from you guys. <laughs> the thing broke down. It was just a complete fucking other limit. And then dad had it to house. He tried replacing the head gasket. And after yeah, a while. It sounds a lot like an S10 problem. Well, after a while, we scrapped the thing. And that was that. And then when their Aveo failed them, which was a Chevy a Aveo, day. but had Daewoo parts all over. And we found all oh, Chevy Aveo is just a Daewoo with a bow tie glued to the grill. And by the way, we haven't had a whole lot of luck with bow ties. So. And so being Kentucky family who was grew up Chevy and Ford, that was when we started to rid our lives of GM products. Because I had my Pontiac Firebird at the time. Dad had his, his Chevy Aveo. We had the Chevy Fleet van. And Carrie had a Ford Mustang. And that thing kept blowing the fucking exhaust and have all kinds of problems. So we ended up trading the Mustang in on a Volkswagen Jetta. I traded the Firebird died on me in front of a customer's house for like the fourth time. So I had no well, to choice. To be fair, that one actually had some miles on it, right? Yes, but I didn't want to spend the entire show talking about cars. But 
when the AC unit went out, I took it to an AC guy, bought all AC Delco gear and drove it from Del Prado. I know this is a worldwide show, but from Mike, from Del Prado down to Santa Barbara on Veterans and the AC Delco brand new out of a box AC unit blew up. So I had to turn around, go back and he ended up, and he pulled out the box and said, AC Delco, part of the GM global group made in Malaysia. Cause this is when so, they stopped so, making shit. Wish.com you know, AC Delco. And so he, yep. so he went in the back and he said, Hey, I, I found the only American made brand I can find is an off brand. So he ended up putting that in there. And then I, some days the brake lights would work. Some days they wouldn't. And it was going to cost me like $90 an hour just to figure out what the problem was before yeah. they fixed it. So at that point I, was like, I needed a car. So I ain't going to buy here, pay her a lot. Got a Chevy Colorado world's biggest piece of shit truck. That's what forced me to go to Toyota. I traded that in on a Tacoma and I've been Toyota ever since. Carrie's been Volkswagen ever since. Dad has since traded his, all his American made products to, he's a Toyota guy now. Gordon's a Toyota and Subaru person. My, our sister was always a Honda and now a Subaru person. Like pretty much everybody in our family, whoever grew up in Ohio and Kentucky, who had GM and Ford products through the eighties and early nineties and mid two thousands. We all, we all jumped Band ship and ship, man. Cause none of that shit's made in the United States anymore. Well, and I, I actually did the same thing because I was a diehard Chevy guy. My dad was a diehard Chevy guy. He had Camaros and stuff, you know, and the Well, older, if you grew up older, in the 70s, older, 80s and 90s, you had to be, you had to, especially, you know, if you're grandpa, oh, then you had to make fun of each other, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Two Chevy guys getting for. out of a Ford and a dress run down the street. What are they doing? They're having a drag race. No, <laughs> you know what Ford stands for? Fixed overhaul repound daily. Found on road dead. But yeah, so you you had to like take a side. It was almost as bad as Democrats versus Republicans back then. I mean, especially people if you live in take, country people towns. People still take that side though. In certain certain parts of the country. And I'm waiting for somebody to say, well, it's awfully funny. World War II guy, you drive a Japanese truck and a German car, to which I look at him and say, that's because to the victor goes the spoils, sir. <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, uh, my truck was made in San Antonio, and I think my Volkswagen may have been made in the Tennessee plant. Guess so, where my Tacoma was made? Where? Baja, Mexico. See? And so... Uh, that's the, where the SR5s are made. The so. American cars are just like the, the foreign cars. The parts are made overseas, put on a ship, sent over here... And built by Americans or assembled by Americans. But anyhow, I digress. But yeah, so all the crazy things that happened today to me didn't happen to me. I just was a witness. I didn't get involved between the UPS man and the dog in Kentucky. I just witnessed it. I didn't sadly have to feel the pain that Carrie went through. And I'm just a witness to it. But crazy, crazy, crazy. Never heard of the Brave browser? Yes, I did. Actually, I just downloaded it today. You must have been listening to a different podcast. Well, because what I do at work now, I do IT work remotely, and I log in a bunch of different things at a different time, and I ran out of browsers. I already had Microsoft Edge installed. I had Google Chrome. I had Firefox Developer Edition. I had a Vant browser, and I'm like, I'm needing more browsers, and I was listening to Joe Rogan. And he was talking about that Brave one, and so I downloaded it. And uh, it's pretty, it is fast because it blocks all the data mining. And so if you're like, if you're a DuckDuckGo user or you're, you've, you know, you, chances are if you work in a corporate environment, you're either using Google Drive or SharePoint. So you're either going to be on Edge or Chrome. But if you're an independent worker who doesn't use SharePoint for work or, or Google Drive and you don't need the universal sign-in across all platforms, check out the, uh, the Brave browser. It, it definitely is fast. because it, And it'll actually show you every website. Like you go to Google and not even search. Like I'm on it right now. 
If I go to Google and not even search, just go to Google.com, mm-hmm. it's blocked nine, temp- nine attempts at data gathering just by going to their, web- their website and not even typing anything in. Cause it's so trying- we'll say it lasts about a year or two, and then they'll be in the same boat as everybody else? Yep. So me and Dan have some interesting conversations at work. Okay. Remember that book that Drew gave us as a kid? I primarily read it. That was the Mad Magazine's Snappy Comebacks to Stupid an- Questions or Snappy yes. Answers to Stupid Questions. Yes. Are you familiar with that book at all, Mike? No, not at so all. So the first edition of the... He's for- a young buck. He may not know. I forget the original author's name, but Mad Magazine basically ended up publishing it. The first edition came out... Is it Cracked? In, no, Mad Magazine. Came out in 1972. Okay. And I just realized I need to load some stuff here. But yeah, 1972. And basically it was a book where in the Mad Magazine style drawings, um, it had situations where someone would ask a dumb question and someone would respond with a... Um, sorry, I'm trying to do all this. With a... Stupid answer to their dumb question. And being a young, sarcastic cat, I enjoyed this. And so I was looking online, and I actually was able to find some transcripts of some of these early ones. And, Mike, here's an example of a snappy answer to a stupid question. Woman asked, is, uh, um, is that a wrestling hold? The man, no. They've arrived at this condition from an overcrowded bus. Keep in mind, some of these are from the 70s. Um, let's see here. Here's a boy. Is that an octopus? Policeman. No, it's a balloon with many stri- uh, strings. Woman. Is that an octopus? Policeman. No, it's a bunch of snakes sucking on a watermelon. Just on, on and on like that because it is meant for kids. And some yeah. of them were funny. But does any of that sound familiar to you, Gordon? Yes, it does. Let me ask you here. Let me put it this way. Uh, driver one. Wow. Did you have an accident? Man. No. I'm Lady Gaga impression. I'm a, I'm a Lady Gaga impression. Here's your sign. Now does it sound familiar? It occurred to me. Mr. Bill Ingvall? That Bill Ingvall's here's your sign bit is nothing more than a snappy comeback to a stupid question. A couple of months ago, I went fishing with a buddy of mine. We pulled his boat into the dock. I lift up this big old stringer of bass. This idiot on the dock goes, hey, y'all catch all them fish? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Talked him into giving up. Here's your sign. Neighbor one, washing your car? Question mark guy. No, I'm applying an attractive coat of soap paint to my vehicle. Here's your sign. A couple of months ago, I went fishing with a buddy of (laughs) mine. It's like for my wife and I moved from Texas to California. Our house is full of boxes. There's a U-Haul truck in our driveway. My friend comes over and goes, hey, you moving? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) We just pack our stuff up once or twice a week. (laughs) Just see how many boxes it takes. Here's your sign. And I got to look, and Mad Magazine published six volumes of this book between 1977 and like 1989. Bill Ingvall first recorded that bit in 1997. How was there never any association, a possible, hey, you stole that from us sort of thing? Now, obviously, people can say, well, you know, creative minds think alike and would have come together, but that's just, it's pretty much the damn exact same bit. I don't know. I, I, I've got a little different thought, I think, especially uh, amongst the blue collar set uh, and, and working class people. Um, 
that it's just it's always been snappy comebacks working in construction before big billing vol was a thing it was somebody asked a stupid question hey got a a smart ass response policeman hey are you a jogger jogger no i'm a criminal on the run here's your sign I don't know. I just it, it it just struck me as weird that it took me so so many years to make that association because I hadn't thought about that book since I was like in elementary school. But uh, yeah, do, 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 do. so what's going? Whoops! Still have my TikTok browser. Open. So what's been going on in your world, Mike? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, you know, work, typical stuff. Uh doing a little fishing here and there as much as i can uh that's that's kind of about it i am haven't really been doing too much lately i finally got in all my shirts and my gear and everything that i ordered which uh i think i showed you on the last episode this is actually what's up morgan long that i made very nice by the way i have your logo i just need to get some red vinyl unless you want your logo in different colors okay um yeah it doesn't matter to me do you guys remember Flippy, the burger flipping robot? Yes. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Haney did the news story like years ago. And out in LA, they were demoing Flippy, the burger flipping robot. And they demoed it. And for whatever reason, they decided it was actually costing them money. It, it wasn't fast enough. It couldn't handle changes in orders and do all the things that a human burger flipper can do on the fly, at least back in the day. And so the whole news story was, you know, jobs are safe. Flippy, the hamburger flipping robot, failed his test. Fast forward like a short, oh, I don't know, nine years. Dateline, it's all over the internet. I don't want to subscribe. The new burger chef makes $3 an hour and never goes home. It's a robot. So apparently Flippy, the burger flipping robot, must have got a firmware upgrade and a couple of versions rolled out. Because now, in a test kitchen in the corner building of downtown Pasadena... Flippy, the robot, grabs a fryer basket full of chicken fingers, plunges it into hot oil, its sensors told it exactly how hot, and then lifted, drained, dumped, and maximally uh, tender tenders, see what they did there? The maximally tender tenders into a waiting hopper. A few feet away, another Flippy eyed a beef patty sizzling on the griddle. With with its camera eyes feeding, uh, feeding pixels to a machine vision brain, fancy for a probably a heat sensor <laughs> it waited until the beef hit the right shade of brown then smoothly slipped a spatula hand under the burger and plopped it into a tray now flippy's success the success of the company that has built it miso robotics depends on a simple math of conventional hypothesis of how the robot can transfer from uh, to the service economy costing less than employees that costing less than employees with a minimum wage especially now that they want $16 an hour Flippy is built to slip just right in alongside the humans up. on the fast food line what's that Gordon just to fuck your order up anyway off the shelf robot arms have uh, plunged in price in recent years more than $100,000 in 2016 when when Miso's robotics first launched to less than $10,000 today with cheaper models coming in the near future. As a result, Miso can offer Flippy to fast food restaurant owners for an estimated $2,000 per month, which is a lot cheaper than $16 an hour. On a subscription and basis, sued by it. Breaking, down about, breaking down to about $3 an hour, that's the actual cost, will depend on the customer's specific needs. 
The human doing these same jobs costs between four to ten thousand dollars more a month, depending on the restaurant's hours and the local minimum wage. And the robot, the robot never calls in sick. And so, does that mean your service from White Castles will get faster? I don't, see. That seems like the perfect restaurant for that. I was going to say, how can White Castles possibly get any faster? I mean, they're putting them down in sheets of meat on chopped up onions and steaming. But them. yet, they're the slowest fast food restaurant out there. To be fair, you have one in Las Vegas, and none of those people grew Actually, up with a White Castle. Yes, but four years ago there was none. But they, but but it took me back to how long it take you drunk at two thirty in the morning to get your White Castles. What was our time. what was our version of that? Crystal uh, Burger doesn't crystals, count because they right. put yellow mustard on it by default. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a fan of the Dusseldorf mustard for my White Castles. I was standing in a White Castle on the west side of Columbus one night at one in the morning. With side, with side, with a drunk gentleman who asked Took for who asked for a side of jalapenos with his hamburgers. I don't know if it's because he was drunk. I don't know if it's because we're on the west side of Columbus. Or I don't know. Maybe the manager just didn't take inventory and didn't want to admit to their mistakes. But he was promptly replied with a, sorry, we don't sell jalapenos after midnight. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? He's <laughs> afraid that some rabid jalapeno food fight's going to break out in the lobby. <laughs> I don't. I capsaicin is everywhere. It was a. It was eyes a, will be burning. Eyes will be burning. Shit tears show. will be shed. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. So that was that was the response. Fun fact: mm-hmm. I just learned that at uh, In and Out. I know you guys don't have them there, but there is another item you can order on your burger that's not on the menu: chilies. Basically, they are uh, they're. Pepperoncinis, almost a little spicier than a pepperoncini. I tell you, it's a little bit all right. A little tasty. Now, if I'm drunk, in. I'm at a hockey game. Where all I have is choice of arena foods. I will happily and diligently eat canned jalapeno peppers on my corn chips with fake American cheese splattered all over it, and be fucking happy about it. But in a real-world environment, I only eat fresh, dried jalapenos. I don't want canned or fucking jarred, pickled bullshit. I want a fresh, dry, spicy well, what's jalapeno. A dry jal- you mean just a regular fresh jalapeno? Yeah, not not pickled, okay. not from a jar of yellow bullshit like you get at said yes. hockey games. I am with you 100% fresh peppers are the only way to go. I think, a lot of, I think if a lot of people would actually try things the first time that way, their life would be so much more enriched with tasty treats of fun growing up in the midwest in kentucky and ohio we didn't know shit for shy from shinola when it came to mexican food so the only experience we had of guacamole was that brown shit you got at taco bell Yeah, that was mexican food for us that and chichis and so no i don't like guacamole it wasn't until i moved to long beach california and every restaurant you went to had fresh pico de gallo a bottle of tapatio and fresh guacamole on every goddamn tabletop that i actually discover what quality mexican food was like and i've been a huge fan ever since i love guacamole i love pico i actually made tacos tonight made my lime zest sour cream put pico de gallo on it chopped up some fresh cilantro where do you stand on cilantro gordon 
Cilantro, um, it depends on what's going on and what I'm having. Uh, I like cilantro, but like Cafe Rio will put the whole sprig and they'll just load it on. Yeah, I don't need the toothpicks. I don't need the toothpicks. It's not garnish. Let's uh, let's get it out of there. But, you know, speaking of Mexican food. Hold so on. We're going to ask our guest. Mike, where do you stand yes. on cilantro? Personally, do not really care for it. Are you one of these uh, cats? Some people think it tastes like soap. soap. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Apparently, there is a gut biome. You're either there is no in between. It's either you like cilantro or you think it tastes like shampoo. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the taste profile is of it, but mm-hmm. I just I know that I don't like it. <laughs> well, tonight, see, I've been making lemon lime zest sour cream ever since COVID when we learned how to make it from our our fresh boxes and so i've been making that every time i make quesadillas or tacos but recently i've been sneaking cilantro into it because gary doesn't like cilantro she hasn't noticed one bit <laughs> you want to up your quesadilla game okay we can throw that on a quesadilla gauntlet go ahead you, you no. start off so as you know over a year ago i joined the Traeger cult right mm-hmm well now i got a blackstone Ooh. and i tell you <laughs> well, it's Father's Day special. It's under three hundred bucks, you know. But uh, this so did Oliver inch. buy that for you for Father's Day? <laughs> Shit, I, he's so expensive as it is. Uh, so what it is is it's basically a thirty-inch flat grill. That's all it is. It's, it's basically it's you, it's a cast you, iron equivalent of the grill that you would see at a McDonald's and/or Wendy's. Yep, gas-fired. But I tell you. You can cook things that much faster, cleanups that much easier, and the quality is is even better because you can get that thing raging hot, even though it's 105 outside. I'll I'll be out there cooking in the shade, and uh, quesadillas. You got plenty of grill to work with. You know, it's just it's Damn awesome. It, Tina, uh, eat did, a quesadilla. I would did, imagine uh, that those some, come out really well on a blackstone. Yes, they do. Uh, chicken chicken fried rice, fantastic. I didn't do the old onion thing like the hibachi grill yet, but uh, the volcano. Smoke, but, uh, man, we did it. Bacon, I could put it all down at once. Super crispy. It is the way to go. Do you have a quesadilla recipe there, Mike? Uh, actually, no, I don't. Um, typically, I mean, growing up the way that I did, I mean, I, I would just lay down a 12-inch Throw some, throw some three cheese on it and flip it over and you're done. That's what your kids call you know? it back then, a 12-inch. You have kids. You got you got a significant other. Here's a quick yeah. quesadilla recipe for all those living and need a quick, I need to make dinner for a few people in less time and not have to dirty up a whole shitload of dishes. Stop at Publix. Get yourself a rotisserie chicken. Obviously already cooked. I recommend lemon pepper. Go to the international aisle and get yourself some large tortillas, a can of black bean soup. Not black beans, mind you, black bean soups. We made this mistake. We accidentally bought a can of black bean soups when we were wanting to make black beans and rice and found it was the most delectable goddamn thing in the world because those beans have been sitting in the soup. And so we always cook the soup and then dip the black beans out and eat them like regular black beans are just best ever. So anyhow, can of black bean soup from the international aisle. Get yourself... Um, some quesadillas, two limes, some sour cream, cilantro to taste, pico de gallo if you want it. Get yourself some chips and some um, Hernandez Verde green sauce. And then obviously, you, chi- you know, you prefer the Hernandez Verde green. I like Zappos too, but Hernandez. Uh, I, have, have you 
tried the Hernandez uh, uh, shit, habanero. No, but we accidentally got the verde roasted tomato one time. That wasn't too bad. And I think we're I think we're saying Hernandez wrong. I think actually it's a little different now. But anyhow, I digress. Hernandez. Go home, pop your can of beans on the stove, throw a skillet on there, put some olive oil on it, let it preheat. Go ahead and chop up that rotisserie chicken. Chop that son bitch up. Take your lime, zest it, you need a zester, into a bowl, and then quarter it. Take a, a shitload of sour cream, throw it down in that zest, add cilantro to taste. Take your lime, squeeze it in there, start stirring it up so your sour cream has a little bit of a, a more free-flowing consistency to it. You, you can add a touch of water if need be if you don't have enough lime juice. Put that shit in the refrigerator. Then you just basically, once your beans are done, you take your tortilla, put your cheese on it, your chicken on there, throw your beans, put it put it in that skillet with the olive oil, flip it until it's nice and crispy to taste on each side. Chop it up, put your pico de gallo, your lemon zest sour cream on it, and your chips and your zappos, and you're good to fucking go. And the only thing you got to do is wash the crumbs out of one skillet, wash a pot of beans up, and throw away the rest of your chicken. Actually, shred the rest of chicken, eat it, and then throw the bones in the trash. That and sounds boom. really fucking good. Quesadilla. <laughs> Save that chicken for tomorrow's lunch. And literally, okay. you're, you're, you're washing your plates, you're wiping out a skillet from the cheese, and then you're washing out your your pot that you cooked your beans in, and that's it. And, like, I feed three people in, tw- in 15 minutes. And the money you spend, you make you may spend 4 to $5 more than you would on three combo meals at Taco Bell, and the quality of the food is far more superior. Oh, yeah. As the Brits would say, Bob's your uncle. And I tonight I made tacos. Basically the same recipe, except for instead of chicken, I made ground beef, and then I drained the black bean soup, and after I added the taco seasoning, I threw the black beans into the hamburger, put it on the smaller tortillas, same zest, pico, cilantro, and cheese, made tacos tonight. So that's nice. what we had tonight. And another quick recipe, only difference is your skillet now has hamburger funk in it instead of the, the dirt. The dirt. You know, the biggest problem with cops are... Everybody hates them. <laughs> Everybody's got a, a wide opinion of that. So, <laughs> the biggest problem with cops, at least in Chicago, is is when you run from them, the fuckers give chase. Now, if only we could alleviate this problem, how would we alleviate the problem with cops chasing you, Gordon? How would move you... to California? Okay. Well, how would you prevent <laughs> cops from chasing you, Mike? Not break the fucking law. That's a good one. Maybe. Maybe just pull the fuck over. Yeah. Maybe not. Exactly. No, I mean physically run. Foot heel toe express. Run down the street. Yeah. Oh Jesus stop, Christ! A stop. Cop will run me over. I can't stop run running fast. from the cops. That's a thought. Yeah, just a thought. Dateline. Oh boy. June twenty first, twenty twenty two. NBC News. This is not a fake page. This is not off of you know, News Twelve Action Five Alabama. This is fucking NBCNews.com, The national news. Chicago police are no longer allowed to chase people on foot just for running away. So that's right. If you live in Chicago, you got a few bench warrants. Maybe you have some back child support. You got to rock a crack in your pocket. If the policeman so, says, come here, I need to talk to you. Just do your best fucking imp- runner's impression. I was going to name a particular fast runner, but I don't want people to make associations. So just run your ass off. Bruce Jenner. There you go. Do your best Bruce Jenner impression pre-op. Sorry, Caitlyn Jenner. Pre-op. And just run from the cops. And now, by law, thanks to the super progressive people who run the city of fucking Chicago, 
Officers won't be allowed to chase people on foot if they suspect them of minor offenses such as parking violations, driving on suspended licenses, or drinking alcohol in public. Now. Now the city's going to be broke. Well, what this tells me is if I have a bench warrant or something else and a cop is trying to talk to me, I'm going to haul ass... And then when something happens, I can say, I didn't know he wanted to talk to me about that. I thought he suspected me of having a suspended license or the fact that I just killed a 40 in the back alley. Thus, use the examples of why they're not allowed to chase you. Chicago police officers will no longer be allowed to chase people on foot simply because they ran away or even give chase over minor offenses, department said on Thursday. Now, is it me or do most people run from the cops during minor offenses because they have bench warrants and things that the cops don't know about? When's the last time you saw someone? Can't get me, copper. I'm running from you. Um, The new policy adheres closely to a draft policy put in place after those shootings. I'm sorry. uh, Skip the paragraph. Chicago police officers will no longer on Tuesday, more than 13 years after two foot pursuits ended in officers fatally shooting a 13 year old boy and a 22 year old man. The new policy adheres closely to the draft policy put in place after the shootings and gives the department something it has never had permanent rules about when an officer can or cannot engage in an activity that can endanger themselves. Those they are chasing and bystanders. So if crime rate continues to skyrocket and go even higher after this, it is not the fault that the cops can no longer give chase. It'll be other reasons. One would make the argument that the crime rate in Chicago is already so high that if it got any higher, the city would simply implode. It would just vacuum. G-O-N-E gone. Chirac. Under the policy, officers may give chase if they believe the person committing or about to commit a felony. Now back oh, to well, the, then that's then it's under the judgment of the cop, and they were wrong, so they can still give. Charge. I was going to say back to the previous example. Not only are the crooks going to say, "Well, I didn't know. I thought this." Now every every little infraction <clears> is going to be the cop. I, I it, to me to me from the distance I was at, it looked like he was committing a felony, so I had to give chase. So basically, this rule is going to negate itself. Yeah, it's oh. that loophole, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have those pesky loopholes. Committing or about to commit a felony or a class A misdemeanor such as domestic battery or a serious traffic offense such as drunk driving or street I racing saw a gun. or risking a So you basically just gave them a whole list of reasons why they could once again this law is just going to negate itself. Officers won't be allowed to chase people on foot if they suspect them of minor offenses such as parking violations, driving on suspended license, drinking alcohol in public unless they're behind parking the wheel of the car. And a maggot on my sleeve. Babies in Reno with a vitamin D. <laughs> you almost stumped Sorry. me there. <laughs> Perhaps the most significantly, the police, uh, the policy makes clear that the days of officers giving chase just because someone tries to avoid them are over. Now Folks, let's be this is fair. what we call a feel-good law. One could argue that, no offense to our friends in blue, with the. Uh, overall body shape of a lot of the cops we see now i don't think i think the days of giving chase just to give chase have been long fucking over for quite a while i mean all these shows we watch from the 70s and 80s those cops weren't giving foot chase while wearing plate carriers so those guys got a lot of heavy gear on them donuts yeah those guys have a lot of heavy gear plus heavy stomachs so i don't think these cops are just chasing to give chase like we remember from the 80s movies i think those days are long gone you know what uh cop slang you don't hear anymore 
Welcome, Dano. No, Flatfoot. That's because that was a mobster slang. Yeah, Flatfoot. Yeah, sorry. I think it had something to do with. Now you gotta make me look it up. Well, I think I think the whole Flatfoot thing was because shoes were so bad back then, especially in wartime, that if you had yep. fl- uh, dropped arches or flat, <laughs> there was no arch support. Flat feet, you basically your back would just be worthless. Just like people are like, how come you can't join the military if you got bad teeth? Because next to getting shot, there is no worse pain for a male other than kidney stones than having fucking re- teeth rotting out of your head. Could you imagine being in combat with fucking four like root canal infections that need to be pulled? There's no way you could perform. That's why you had to have strong, healthy teeth because that's just way too much pain. 20 slang terms for law enforcement personnel. Let's okay. see how many of these we don't know. Uh, can I guess a few? No, because you're... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Pig. Bing, bing, bing. A horse. Pig. Pig is a derogatory term big, dating back to the 1800s that fell into disuse but was revived during the Civil Rights era. This horse on there? No. Why do I say... What did we learn from Ice-T? Ice don't know. A horse is a pig that don't fly straight. Basically, it's a corrupt cop. Ah. Blue guys. What's that? Blue guys. Boys in blue. Boys in blue. This folksy phrase refers to the frequent use of the blue as a color of the police officer's uniform. It harks back to a time when only men could become police officers. The fuzz. Fuzz. Hot Originally fuzz. a British English term, a kind of redundant statement there, a British English term referring to a felt-covered helmet worn by London police officers and later borrowed into the American English. 5 is a term for police derived from the l- title of a television series, Hawaii 5 about a special police unit by said name. Smokey. Smokey is a term for law enforcement personnel (laughs) derived from the association of the style of hat worn by state troopers with one worn by Smokey the Bear. Um, Gumshoe. Oh, yep. A a term alluding to the soft-soled shoes worn by detectives that are more comfortable than the hard-soled shoes and or enable them to follow a suspect's serotypishly. Ooh, there's a word of the day, surreptitiously. Dick. <laughs> yep, the private eye. Derogatory abbreviation for detective. Yep. yep. Bear. I thought that was a big hairy gay dude. <laughs> I thought so too, but it is a term from trucker slang, which alludes to the style of hat worn by some law enforcement personnel. Again, that rev. Uh, that resembles that word by Smokey the Bear. Here's one for you. Barney. Barney Fife. What is the source of Barney? You got it. This gently derogatory term refers to Barney Fife, the bumbling small-town sheriff in the classic 1960 sitcom, The Andy Griffith Show. Put your bullet in your shirt pocket. Uh, what do we got here? I think we've gone through all the good ones. Flatfoot. Yeah, Flatfoot. Is, uh, is a reference to a police officer... 
with several uh, possible origins, including the association that police who walk the beat supposedly would get a medical condition of flat feet. For the rocking chair out on I-4-0, dodging bucks in pickup trucks in West New Mexico. It was a cloudy day, and me and old Jay was just about bored to tears. But we come awake when a CB break come a-ringing loud and clear. And we heard this voice that we ain't never heard before, saying, Break one nine, I'm CB Savage. Hi, all you 18-wheelers. Anyone seen any smoky bears? How about some bear smokies? Uh-huh. CB Savage here. <laughs> Come on. Well, I looked at Jay and I said, Hey, did you hear what I just heard? He nodded his head and his face got red and he never said a word. We both reached for the mic, thinking we might just answer that one nine call. When that CB device come back to life, just a lisping wall to wall. And that unusual voice came on again, saying, Break one nine again. This is your one and only C.B. Savage. Mercy sakes, good bodies. Uh, could I please have your 20? I'd settle for a big 10-4. Mercy, mercy. How about a mile post? <clears throat> Listen, you can't keep your hammers down forever, you know. Speak to me, pedal pumpers. Uh, how about it? Uh, 70s CB humor. So I've been watching a, a show that was only on one season on um, Showtime and now is going to be on Amazon's Freebie channel. And it's called American Rust. It takes place in uh, Pennsylvania along the Allegheny, the Rust Ohio Belt. River. And because there's something that goes on in there, I now think all truckers are that way. <laughs> Has to do with bandanas and the color bandanas hanging hi, out hi, of the. Uh, me again. I'm in your chair and I love it there. Say, you truckers really know how to take a person for a ride. Speak to me, you diesel demons. I'd love to get <laughs> diesel demon. <laughs> CB Savage here. Come on, come on. <laughs> I grabbed the mic and I held it tight and my hand began to sweat. Hulu when looks we like used they're to go between Col Columbus and. Kentucky in the S10. I had a CB. Well, that's one of the crazy things about living where Mike and I do is we don't have a whole lot of semis down here. I mean, they're on the interstate, but like when you go back to Ohio or Kentucky, there's like because it's the main thoroughfare of all the distribution centers, there's like maybe 2% of the semi trucks on our, our interstates down here than you guys deal with in the bigger cities. Yeah, out here, I mean, just around where I live, any bare lot that is probably owned by somebody else or side of a side road is just filled with semis. The joke to this song was the CB Savage was actually an undercover cop distracting everybody while they pulled over their convoy. Damn, Smokies. Goddamn convoy. There's a word you don't hear very convoy. often. Convoy. Unless it's in Ukraine. But what was I going to, um, before all the convoys and my trucks? Oh, Hulu. Those guys look like they're putting it down. I'm like, out of all these streaming services, I'm seeing all these commercials for all these shows. They're all on fucking Hulu now. It's like, I'm thinking about if I do subscribe to a third party subscription service other than Netflix, which by the way is $27 a goddamn month now. Well, you're, uh, you're, uh, if you got a, um, T Mobile, T Mobile, they should cover at least 13 I know, months. But of it's, it. 
it's associated with the dad's phone number and it's a whole thing. But anyhow, I know I, I, I gotta get that switched every. But yeah, I'm thinking Full about pen. I'm thinking about looking into getting Hulu because they got the one kid from um, what's that Chicago fucking white trash Shameless. show? He's a chef now on a new show mm-hmm. called The Bear. <laughs> Hi, demon. Speaking of bears, <laughs> and but there's, I'm like seeing all these commercials for like these shows I want to watch, and every one of them on Hulu. And I was talking to the elusive Dan the other day and showing him. I was like, "You remember these Hulu commercials from the early 2000s before Netflix was even streaming?" That was back when uh, one um, Dennis Leary did the Dennis Leary, the guy from um, Arrested Development, not not the one from Ozarks, but the other one, and. <laughs> He's the other guy. And um, the cat who made Family Guy. All three of them were spokespersons for Hulu. Well, Hulu did pick up uh, Orville, which has mm-hmm. got kicked off of Fox. Now, did you know Hulu was owned by Disney? That's disappointing. You just broke my fucking heart. Well, that's heart. why if you... Well, think about it. So we got... And I'm going to tell you the disadvantage about having nothing but streaming services here. So we got the Hulu Plus with live, mm-hmm. which is nice, but you don't have channel numbers, so all the channels are listed alphabetically. Comes with Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. Uh, that's awesome. Then we, we've got Paramount Plus. We've got the Star Streaming. We've got the Amazon Prime. We've got the HBO Max and the Showtime, all for less than what we paid for a regular dish. Yep. The problem is, is you start losing track of your shows and where they are and what is on. Mm-hmm. Because you don't see the commercials that constantly remind you. So I think what's uh, going to happen in the future is your internet service provider, a.k.a. usually your cable company, your TV provider, cable TV and satellite's going to go the way of the dodo. DirecTV is already offering boxes, especially down here in Florida, where you don't use a satellite. You plug it into your TV, hook it up to the internet, and you get all your channels over the internet so you're not losing your satellite signal when it rains. Well, and that was just it. When we got away from Dish, I was like, man, Dish, I used to like Dish over Cox Cable because to me, the image was better, Mm -hmm. better quality right off the Dish. Well, then it started not looking so good. And as I was watching um, Netflix on my uh, ultra high definition 4K TV, I said, man, that's looking really good. No real buffering. So I got to get away from Dish. They're like, oh, you got a buffering issue. I'm like, no, I don't. And by the way, now streaming services, image quality and sound quality is so far more superior than cable and dish. Mm-hmm. It's a no-brainer to just cut the cord. So I think what's going to happen is the cable, as we know, it's going to go away. Satellite, as we know, it's going to go away. And so your cable company is going to become your internet service provider because everybody still needs that part of the service. And so what I foresee, and they're probably in development. I haven't looked. At, I'm pulling this out of my ass as we talk, but I guarantee if you guys Google this, well, it's in development. They're, they're just going to offer a device that you sign into all your streaming services, mm-hmm. and it's going to act like a cable box, but instead of the cable or the satellite, it's going to let you scroll, and it'll basically create a playlist of all the shows from all the different subscriptions and put them in like a Netflix-style queue. You, I guarantee Your stuff, you. right? Yep. you got your stuff. This is what you watch. These are channels yeah, you frequent the This most. whole bar here is your favorite from Hulu. This bar here is your favorite from Amazon Prime. Here's your Netflix. Here's your YouTube. Here's your Google Plus, your fucking Disney Plus, your Discovery Plus, your Plus Plus, your Minus Plus, your H- Well, Go ahead. And my, my, my TV, I got a smart TV out in my living room, and it actually, it, it already kind of does that. Yes. My Sony it, does that. Right yeah, I mean, you can you can search for all your shows and everything, and when you pop up your show, it'll show you what 
every you know platform that it comes on, mm-hmm. whether it's on Redbox or it's on Peacock or you know whatever the case. So and it, the greatest, it's it, progressing it, towards yeah, that mm-hmm. exactly. Sure. My Bravia, when I pull up the home screen when I first boot it up, it actually will show the shows we've been watching on the various platforms, and you can just access it from that home screen. The yeah. greatest invention is the voice activated remote control. Comcast came out one years ago. I cannot tell you what channel fucking history channel is. I cannot tell you what channel. I just, I just pick it up, hit the microphone, my, uh, motor trend channel or direct TV or whatever. I just say the name of the channel and it pulls it up. I have not typed in a fucking station number in fucking five years. Well, and, nope. and on top of that, you can also, you know, pull up all your apps that same way too. Yep. You know, if I want to watch YouTube, I could just say YouTube, you know, digital 410. And it'll pop yep. it right up. Or you yeah, can just a lot say, you got the play Dexter. Have YouTube button on it. Or, it'll or, say, uh, yeah. Yep. Or you say, play Dexter, and it'll come up and say, Dexter is only available on here. Do you want wish to subscribe? Or if you already subscribe, it'll just fast track you right to it. Yeah. Now, the only problem we had, and when we got the first Bravia, we had it warranted. Uh, Netflix would shut off like within five seconds. And we're doing it, and I called the Geek Squad. They couldn't figure it out, so I said, let's replace the TV. Next Bravia comes out. Everything was fine. Then I set up Google TV, and then it quit. Didn't come to find out, Google TV and Netflix don't get along. Doesn't surprise me. So I had to actually disable the Google TV portion. So there's a lot of the Google stuff I can't do. Well, I had a friend who had a high-end Samsung TV. actually has two of them. And all the streaming services would work except for Samsung TV. And they kept saying it was his internet. But they wouldn't tell you what the internet was blocking. So, okay, if it's the internet, is it a port number? Do we need to open up a port? If so, what's the port number? And they couldn't tell you. And he has fiber optic. Now, interestingly enough, if I connect his Samsung TV, this is how long, this was a couple months ago, to my LG phone through the hotspot, it would connect and get online. Mm-hmm. When I got my new Samsung, it would, no, no, I, I forgot. For, I apologize. If I connected it to my Samsung hotspot on my Samsung phone, the Samsung TV, the Samsung app still would not work. If I connected the TV to an iPhone, the Samsung app would not work. When I connected it to the owner's Motorola phone, it worked. Now, Motorola is not exactly a mainstream phone anymore. Nope, they used to be. And so I'm speculating that their operating system uses older technology and whatever it is that the new phones, the new internet service providers blocking was probably something that was a program language used a couple of years ago that has since been found to have security exploits, which is why it doesn't work on fiber optic, it doesn't work through an iPhone, and it doesn't work through a Samsung phone, but does work through a generic Motorola phone. Long story short, so he said, fuck that. He found a new streaming service. He was going to get rid of that direct TV streaming service. Downloaded it to his TV, and it wouldn't work. He called the tech support for that particular streaming service. It's a new one I've never heard of. And they were walking through stuff, and they wanted him to reset the TV. He's like, no, I've done this. The Samsung app. Oh, it's a Samsung TV? Yep. Yeah, we've had problems. So apparently there's known issues with streaming apps with the Samsung TV operating systems that a lot of these newer apps won't work, like the non-mainstream ones. So that's weird. Let's see. That's that's why I buy, like, you know, cheaper branded TVs like Vizio and stuff like that. You know, I've got a 70 inch TV. Yep. 
there's nothing wrong with that TV at all. The only issue that I've had is some connectivity issues with the internet, but other than that, I mean, it, it, it works just fine. If you're a young, poor cat, 18 to 20, and you're trying to live in a city like Cape Crow, Florida, where apartment rent is almost twice the price of my fucking mortgage, you probably already know this, but if you don't, because I don't know, maybe you don't, can't afford internet or all that stuff. Mike actually helped me hang the one in the garage that came from the At Computer Shop, and I have one in my studio I use for a monitor, and that's the on-brand Roku TVs from Walmart. Roku actually has a pretty cool on-air streaming channel system that actually goes, it's not, it don't need internet. And you can watch Furies on there with commercials. It's, it's, and they have an entire channel guide just like cable does, and they have TVs and different games, like, a lot of shit from the eighties and that, but like, like I said, fury streaming on there now with commercials and like glory. And so there's plenty of shit to watch on there. And I've actually found a lot of cool stuff on there, like world war two documentaries. And so you get a Roku TV and just live stream it. And they have a lot of cool shit on there. It doesn't even cost you a dime. So if you're, you know, got your first apartment, you realize, fuck, I can't afford all these streaming services anymore. Just go get you an $80 on Roku TV from Walmart and turn on Roku TV and, have, and then maybe steal your neighbor's Wi-Fi and use Netflix. But those are cheap TVs. Gordon, you ready to yeah. do the news? I am ready to do the news. Joining us now from the Digital 410 West News Desk in Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy. Gordon, how you doing tonight? Good night. Getting good grades. They got a couple of fisher folk on, on here tonight. <clears throat> Bangkok. The world's largest recorded freshwater fish, which happens to be a giant stingray, has been caught in the Mekong River in Cambodia. Doesn't According count. to scientists from the Southeast Asian nation and the United States. Would you like to give a guess on how many pounds the largest freshwater fish, which is a giant stingray, is? Now, this is from Bangkok, which means they're on the metric system has your news story converted it over to the pounds okay that's what i said i didn't say kilograms i said pounds i'm gonna say a stingray Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say 115 pounds mike mike i'm gonna say for last name i'm gonna say a buck 50. This uh, stingray, which measured almost 13 feet from snout to tail, weighed slightly under 660 pounds. Holy See, shit. I went to I went the hundred route because, you know, the the casual person who doesn't spend much time behind a line would probably instinctively go to 30 or 40 pounds. But the fact that I've caught damn near a nine pound bass tells me that a stingray is going to be a lot heavier than that. And the so- previous record for a freshwater fish was a 646-pound Mekong giant catfish discovered in Thailand back in 2005. You ever try to grab a Frisbee or a flat, rigid object from the bottom of a tool and or bathtub? I'm sure that's like trying to pick up a stingray. Exactly. I'm, th- I'm thinking, the not even if the thing was dead, just trying to pull the suction of that flat object off the bottom of the ground. That and it's probably slippery like snot. So oh, That had to be a hell of a fight. Speaking so, of which, uh, go ahead and just say how long this, it took to land it. Um, we're going to get in here, and hopefully they will. I don't see it so far. I'm sure hours. 
the stingray was snagged by a local fisherman south of the Stungtring in northeast Cambodia. The Say that five times fast. A nearby team of scientists from the Wonders of the Mekon Project, which publicizes conservation work in communities along the river. The scientists arrived within hours of getting a post-midnight call with the news and was amazed at what they saw. Quote, yeah, when you see a fish of this size, I don't want to be a dick, but I bet that call came over landline. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Rotary. With a 20-foot cord. It was, tele- it was telegraph, man. <laughs> yeah, when you see a fish of this size, especially <clears throat> in freshwater, it's hard to comprehend. So I think all of our team was stunned, according to wonders of the Macon leader, Zeb Hogan. According on an in an online interview from the University of Nevada. Now, if you tell me this fucker caught this thing like on a winch with a cable, like you'd pull up a crab pot, that shit don't count. I want to see your ass with a fucking fluorocarbon or eighty pound braid on a fucking spinning reel laying in that shit. I don't want to see you have this thing hooked up to a winch with a fucking two car batteries and eight hundred pounds of pressure. That doesn't count as a (laughs) well. What it does say. As the team rushed to the site, inserted a tagging device near the tail of the mighty fish before releasing it. The device was sending tracking information for the next year. It will be providing unprecedented data on a giant stingray behavior in Cambodia. Logos locals nicknamed the stingray Bromi or Full Moon because of its round shape and because the moon was on the horizon when it was freed on June the fourteenth. What's the longest amount of time that you've spent landing a freshwater fish, Mike? Freshwater? Mm. Ten ten minutes. No hyperbole. I have the video footage to prove it. From the time it hooked up to the time Carrie pulled in that four pound bass, it was twenty two minutes. She fought that fucker for 22 minutes? Well, we were fishing off the seawall in this area that was about six feet deep with about five and a half feet. It wasn't <laughs> hydrangea. What do they call that real thick grass? Hydrilla. Hydrilla, which is, for anybody who's ever owned an aquarium, they make these plastic grass that you put in there, which is a plastic ver- version of this real-life plant. And so we're doing a TikTok live, and she got this fish, and it jumped. And I thought it was like eight pounds. Like, holy shit. And that thing went down into the hydrilla, and she's railing, and it just stopped. And she's dragging out the drag. She's walking from the seawall all the way back to my tundra, which is about 40 yards away. And then she's walking back and tightening it. She literally fought this thing. And like 50 minutes into I'm like, Carrie. The thing clearly went under a log. You're snagged on a fucking log. Just cut the line. She's pulling it, tugging it, twisting it, shoving it. I get on there. Now, we little caveat to this. When Mike and I went fishing, we were making fun of a young gentleman who asked Mike for a hook because he found himself on a seawall with no hooks. And we're like, boy, that day would have sucked. <laughs> on this particular day, Carrie and I, this is our third trip out to the seawall, we... Tackle bags, a single strap tackle bag is very cumbersome when you have three poles of soda and everything else and you're walking and through grass. And so by day three, I'm like, let's just put all the shit in my book bag. So I grabbed all my tackle, my worms. I grabbed my three boxes of plastic tackle, threw in my book bag, grabbed my pliers, my scale, my lip lock, and off you go. I cast, I get snagged with my worm, break my line, go in there. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. I left my box of hooks back at the house. Carrie, got any hooks? No, I have consolidated my big tackle. So both of us left fucking hooks at the house. And so she hooks up on this fish, 
And now I'm stuck fishing with hard baits because I have no hooks with me. So I'm fishing, you know, jigs and topwaters and everything else. Three poles. He was, was uh, he was hookless on that day. <laughs> and so we're 12 minutes in this. I'm like, Carrie, the thing, you're snagged on a fucking log. Just pull it. So she's pulling, she's pulling, but she's trying not to break the line because then she wouldn't have a hook and she's catching fish on worms. And I'm not catching anything on these artificial baits. I think I caught one on a topwater. It was tiny. And so finally, 20 minutes into it, she's like, fuck it. Snap the line. I'll just fish with a crankbait or something or a rooster tail. So I walk directly in front of where the line is going into the canal, put both thumbs on the spool, and I just start walking backwards. In the video, you hear, toing! It sounds like the line's about to snap. It's like you just tighten down that guitar string right before it goes. Kind of like when the banjo string on Tom and Jerry broke when she had to go take the, the whisker from fucking Tom. Nope. Boing! Oh, yeah. And as I'm pulling, it makes that toying, and then finally it gives. The roots of the grass give. I was like, there you go. I got it out, and I can see the grass, and I see this white flash. The fucking fish was still on there 20 minutes later. Wasn't doing too good for being stationary for 20 minutes. <laughs> so I give her the rod back. She lands it. And she had one of those red circle hooks. The fucking lip on this bass was big as my, as my thumb. And you can see it in that photo I sent you. The only reason that fish didn't get off that hook is she had it behind its lip. And it was just too damn fat. And we literally poured it, pulled this poor son of a bitch through this grass until the... But we waited. It was four and a half pounds. And it took her 22 minutes from hookup to get it out of the water. To get that fucker out. And it just goes to show you, sometimes don't give up. It's It could still be there, but that is our personal longest record for landing a freshwater fish from a seawall was 22 minutes. Well, and, and kind of going off of what um, Gordon was saying, I actually caught a stingray. It was somewhere between three and four feet in diameter, and that was the longest fighting fish it was saltwater, but it, that was the longest fight that I actually had in the water was trying to pull that thing. And I had heavy tackle and heavy gear and everything like that, trying to unsuction cup that thing from the bottom and fight it mm -hmm. all the way up to the surface. That that took a good 30, 40 minutes. When Stan, Stan and I went out. 600-pound fish. When I'd, I'd, I'd shit. <laughs> when Stan and I when Stan and I went out shark fishing, the um, captain rigged up the line with some high grade fucking test because we were shark fishing yeah we snapped two lines and and the captain's like that's a goliath grouper he's like there's no other fish will snap that fucking <laughs> that wire i mean you're rigged up to catch sharks and then have it snap off like that we just had some goliath grouper just kept stealing our shit and going straight down and you knew it was goliath Those too because they went straight too, down yeah. they just grab yeah. it and go home that is one ugly fish yep back to the news all right, from Bangkok to Boston. Some good things come out of Boston, but also some bad things. Boston Transit Agency is to try urine sensors on elevators. <laughs> You're in trouble no more, according to the AP. The Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority hopes with a new program to tackle public urination in system elevators using technology. The MBTA, which uh, services Boston and the surrounding areas, is launching a pilot program this summer in which urine detection sensors will be placed in four downtown elevators. And if you pee in said elevators, they will lock you in like a panic room until you are arrested and or fined. 
Unfortunately, it's nothing that crazy. The sensors will alert transit ambassadors who will then dispatch a cleaning crew. Oh, now, my God. They're going to be busy. We, when people find out which elevators these are on, it is going to be a train of piss. Now, we know, we remember back about 10 years ago when the city of Houston announced they were going to discontinue their red light cameras to the intersection because they worked too well that no one was running red lights. They weren't getting ticket revenue, and it was actually costing the state money because they weren't making the money off of tickets to fund the $4 million a year program for the red light cameras. Yep. I don't think it's this be is a government expensive. job. It's not going to be as expensive, but you have the install cost, the firmware cost, no, the licensing cost. Wouldn't it be cheaper just to pay somebody $12 an hour to stand in the elevator for fucking eight hours each day? Nah, this will probably get broken down to $3 an hour also. Yeah, I was gonna, then uh, again, that would become a union job, and then that'd be sixty grand a year plus benefits. And oh, it's going to have to be. See, if it's in an elevator and it's got to be installed, that's going to be either Otis, Thies and Krupp, or Kone. And those guys are, I tell you, you want to talk about prima donnas in the trade world? Mm-hmm. Anything more than four tens, they're getting some overtime. The sensors on the ceiling of an elevator will be attached to a fan, which allows them to suck in the air and basically smell what is present, according to Megan Collins, who is a program slash project manager for the MBTA. So this uh, pilot program will be kicking off in August. Data will be collected for several months before the agency makes a decision on whether to implement the program by the end of the year. At least they're testing on a four, but I swear, I think when people figure out what's there, it's going to be constant and it's going to throw off the curve. Why don't we do this? We'll use the sensors. But instead of activating to notify some poor schmuck who's got to clean up <clears throat> bum piss, why don't we kill two birds with one stone? Well, this may backfire as well because then it'd be considered a free shower. Never mind. I was going to say the sensor goes off, like the, the fire alarm goes push. off, it sprays water all over the offender. That person doesn't want to get sprayed on it anymore, so he stops pissing in and there. But if it's a homeless person, it would be a free. And, no, you just put a, you just put a. You put a fucking filter in the middle, and it just drops down to the bottom of the elevator shaft, goes out the drainage, problem solved. But now then it would just be a free shower for the bum, so never mind. Well, not to mention eyes. somebody who's pissing in an elevator is probably going to be calling a lawyer if you spray that with water. And then that just goes back to the Don't same piss thing in the elevator. we were talking about last week. Well, see, that, that would, that's what we need. We need to stop. We need to prevent lawyers from... Uh, you know, giving in to these stupid people. If yeah. we just said, fuck it, we're going to spray you with water. If you don't want to get wet, don't piss in our fucking elevator. And none of our, you know, judges are going to allow this bullshit to go to court. People would f- stop doing this dumb shit. But because there's so exactly. many lawyers out there who just want the check, and then every judge who used to be that lawyer, so he knows that they just want the check, they allow that shit to happen. We got to stop that shit too. Yeah. Stop that shit. I'm going to shut that shit down. So, going from Baston to Miami, must be that time of the year. Across the The Burmese python hunt in the Florida Everglades is slated for August. Python bowl. like the hottest month of the year, right? Yep. Miami, flanked by a huge writhing snake, one Governor Ron DeSantis. Yeah, buddy. You're either a fan or not. He's he's been pissing off a lot of people lately. What's that? He's been pissing off a lot of people. I, I, I think he's at the point now where he's intentionally passing laws just to piss people off. Yep. Announced on Thursday that the annual prize-winning hunt for the invasive Burmese python in the Everglades will begin on August the 5th. Sorry to interrupt, but I just, I'm just i a Ron DeSantis fan, and I enjoy some of the stuff, but 
once again, as a libertarian, I want less laws in my life. Yeah, he seems like he's getting a little of the old Trumple rub, rub off on him. A when, bit. when now you're announcing you're going to write a bill bill that would require children's services to show up at the home of anybody who takes their minor children to a drag show, to me that's going a little too yeah, fucking it's far. Going too far, you know. That's absolutely. Look, if you want to take your eight year old to a fucking drag show, as long as yeah. no wangs being seen and there's no nudity, fucking bu- have a ball <laughs> or two. So to speak. Anyway, people must register to participate and complete an online training course for this event, which draws typically draws hundreds from across the country. So last year's Python challenge involved 600 people from 25 states, according to DeSantis at a uh, news conference located in the Everglades. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was under a screen. Mm -hmm. Um, Behind the Republican governor, of course, we have to identify that he is a Republican governor. Mm-hmm. It uh, took three people to hold a live 10-foot female python as demonstration. The snakes have virtually no, as we know, the snakes have virtually no natural enemies in the Florida Everglades, except for Florida man, and has decimated native populations of mammals, birds, and other reptiles. These pythons are a great threat to the Everglades, according to DeSantis. Let's reel in some pythons as the hunt begins. Uh, prizes include 2500 for the most pythons captured. That may not even pay for some of these guys' travel. And up to $1,500 for the longest snake. Last year, the first prize winner captured 223 pythons, while the $1,500 winner bagged a snake that was more than 15 feet in length. Well, the problem is, is they're eating up all the mammals, all the deers, everything. There's like nothing yeah. left in the Everglades except for alli- fucking alligators and ball pythons. The, the current Florida, this year's Florida state budget includes about $3 million specifically for python removal in the Everglades. You know, <laughs> stories like this usually generate the PETA people, the vegans, the... Well, you're hurting... What about the people who like to make them snakeskin boots? You're hurting harmless animals. I think a lot of that obviously comes from ignorance. And I think a lot of that can be nipped at the bud if we had mandatory fishing class in high school. A hunting and gun. No, not not even... No, I say all of the above. Well, hear me out. The reason I just say fishing is because if you're out on the water and you're fishing enough, A, when you pick up a fish and you get stabbed in the hand by the fucking fin so many goddamn times, you realize, oh, every meal this fish consumes is another fish that's stabbing the shit out. My one hook isn't causing him no fucking pain because he's genetically and biologically designed not to feel pain because everything he eats fucking has spikes on it. So that argument would go away with, you're being mean to fish, putting the hook in it. But more importantly, if you're out in nature long enough, and fishing is a good way because it completely transformed me, you really start to realize, especially after you catch that fish that has a salamander in its mouth or a fucking iguana in its mouth or another fish in its mouth or, heaven forbid, a baby duck in its mouth, You, the Disney presentation of Mother Nature goes away and you realize, oh, shit, this is, in fish fact, the wild world. and it is eat or be eaten and that mm-hmm. in the wild... It doesn't matter if you're a fucking baby rabbit or a duck and this is a catfish or Everything eats everything out there. I never knew that catfish eat fucking ducks. They do. Large bass eat baby ducks. They do. Anything that's fucking heartbeat, these fish will eat. And other animals eat. If it's moving, it's getting eaten. And I think if more and more people at least ventured into that and realized we would have less arguments about 
well, obviously, you've learned that in the wild, everything's eat <clears> or be eaten. Well, we're a more advanced version of that. So that we got to kill cows to have food. we got to kill chickens to have food. And I think a lot of that veganism and that ignorance that comes along with it, because that's what it is. It's just a lack of knowledge of how things work because we are in such a nice, comfortable position in our society that we don't have to view the ugliness of where our food comes from. Well, and, you know, I think in general, if of having some kind of a class or something like that, or, or, or you know, if you're going to say those types of things, I think you should actually sit down and look at like conservation in general, mm -hmm. you know, none of those snakes or anything are native to this land. A few assholes let a few out. And now they've they've overbreed. Or the working theory is during large hurricanes and pet stores get flooded out. A lot of right. There too. right. I'm, I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Okay. Neither is the white man. He ain't native either. Do we need to just go in and start eliminating them? Some people make that argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to you know go so far woke it broke. Oh wait. All right, whole, moving on. Yeah, that's just in general. I was going to say, though. there's a whole, the 1516 project or whatever will fully support the, your hypothesis there. The, what is that, the 1517 project or whatever the fuck it was? But, I, don't yeah. I don't even remember. I didn't pay attention. All right, one last stop on this uh, tour of the Choo -choo. world. Shelbyville, Shelbyville, Kentucky. I thought you were going to say Shelbyville from The Simpsons. A restaurant created by one Harlan Sanders for his wife mm -hmm. decades ago mm -hmm. is for sale. Claudia Sanders Dinner House, located in Shelbyville, Kentucky, hit the market this week. According to news outlets, citing a statement from the listing agent describing the nearly 25,000-square-foot restaurant and banquet hall, Ooh. which is for sale on a three-acre property. Ooh. And includes the trademark and likeness of Claudia Sanders' name, as well as memorabilia from the Sanders family. Now, mm -hmm. who is Claudia and Harlan Sanders, one may ask? Uh-huh. Founders of KFC. Yep. The Colonel. The Colonel. The Fun guy with fact. the tie. The guy who is a different actor playing him every time. Fun fact. I learned this from Howard Stern back in the day. KFC started out as... He just made chicken and sold his fryers and that to just random restaurants, kind of like the f big boy. You had Frisch's Big Boys and what? What's the other? Uh, the other big, Bob's Big Boy. Bob's we Big still Boy. Have those out here. Basically, it was just the hamburger was sold as a franchise to different restaurants. Well, KFC. He started before you actually went to Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants. You would go to Sheila's Eatery in Kentucky, and on the menu would be Kentucky Fried Chicken. And that's and where probably a henny penny. That's where it got its start. Was it was just he would sell his fryers and his recipes, franchise them to actual individual restaurants before the actual Kentucky Fried the Chicken. Secret of seventeen herbs and spices. Have you heard the lore of their Twitter? You ever heard about KFC's Twitter page? Nope. They, oh wait, they only follow so many people. They follow eleven people and. Basic comes down to the Spice Girls, and the rest of the guys are named Herb. Or Herb. So they like follow 11 people, all Spice Girls, and then like five dudes named Herb. <laughs> Herb. That, that, Her, isn't that the Herb British, and Spices. Isn't that the British, British pronunciation of Herb? Yep. Herb. Herb and Spices. Spice Needless Girl. to say, 
Included in the sale is also a 5,000 square foot residence where one Harlan and Claudia Sanders lived for more than 20 years. The Claudia Sanders Diner House, Dinner House, I don't know why I'm saying diner, because I'm there's no opened in 1959 and also served as the first KFC headquarters, but was sold to a local local couple a couple of years ago. The listing did not include the sales price, so I can't have you guess that game. And the listing agent said potential buyers will have to sign a NDA, mm-hmm. or non-disclosure agreement, for those of you who don't know, and show proof of at least $5 million cash on hand. Mm-hmm. This restaurant had only been owned by the Sanders and their close friends. The Settles, according to Hancock, the guy uh, pushing the property. The Settles are now committing... Man, that's so close to are now committing to finding the next caretaker for this historic brand. Why don't the young brand just buy only it? fight to maintain its legacy, expensive chicken, employees, and staple dishes here in the community, but potentially expand the Claudia Sanders brand nationwide. I wonder if they got a like a policy they won't sell it to the Yum food company. And is that Yum still that owns KFC, you know? Or is it PepsiCo? Well, no, it's, uh, they got sold to Yum a while back. I remember. Does your Arby still serve Mountain Dew out there? No. Yes. It isn't that weird? Isn't it weird to eat fucking rice beef sandwich with a Coke? Or Mellow Yellow, which is like. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, we digress. Sort of Mountain Dew. Light. Yeah. We digress. That's it for the news here from. Los this concludes the evening news. And now back to the ACT Computer Studio in Cape Coral, Florida. This episode of the What's in Your Head podcast is brought to you by, well, you and Patreon. If you want to support this show, uh, please head over to patreon.com, look for Digital 410, or simply go to whatsinyourhead.com and click on the Patreon link. Sign up. It's a dollar a month. There's two other tiers, but we won't get into that because we would be happy if you just signed up for a dollar a month. And as we said at the early beginning of the show, if you'd like to advertise or maybe have your company's name associated with the studio here so that it'll be digitized live in your company's name studio, please email us at info at d-410.com and uh, we can get you some prices on that. And obviously, um, you can order t-shirts from our website and please head over to youtube.com, look for digital 410, like, subscribe, and you can see all our content on there. And while you're over at d-410.com, if you haven't done so, click on the little toolbar that says PB Bates which will take you over to the Tackle Your Personal Best podcast hosted by Ron and Mike, no use for last name. And you can hear all the advanced fishing talk. And hopefully here soon we're going to get them some guests from different places throughout the world so we can talk differences. Well, they can talk differences in fishing between Florida versus like, I don't know, maybe the anywhere, anywhere like Ohio or um, the Ozarks as well. We know a guy. So uh, head over to d-410.com or pbbaits.d-410.com and check out all of our podcasts. And Mike, you have anything you want to plug before you get off? Yes, really quickly. Did you know that it is illegal to sing in public places while wearing a bathing suit in Florida? No, I did not I know I almost that. thought that was a Justin Nunley bit. Nope, that comes from World Atlas. That is part of the 50 dumbest laws across the United States. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, As far as plugging, uh, if you guys want to check out all my Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, all that stuff, type B Mike, T-Y-P-B Mike, and uh, you can check out Real Tactics as well. He's got all his stuff up there as well. So 
And Gordon, you got anything you want to put out there? No, nah, man. Just uh, keep on the grind. Keep a positive mind. And that is all I've got. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the What's in Your Head podcast. Thank you guys for checking in with us each and every month. And as we, we don't do this enough. Oh, wrong one. Damn it. Why is the Olympics coming on? Where is that coming from? Uh, I seriously don't know where that's coming from. Copyright strike. <laughs> Funny thing is I hit gibberish and not that one. Okay, that's supposed to be <laughs> Maybe that's this. But anyhow, this episode of the What's Your Head podcast, thank you guys so much. Um, one thing we don't mention enough, you can download us and f- subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much where all podcasts are found. But if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star r- rating and a nice review. But I want to say thanks to Mike, thanks to Gordon, and we will all talk to you all next week. This has been a Digital 410 production.